Gabe, are you a Spotify? Are you an Apple Music kind of guy? I don't know if we've ever talked about this. I am a Spotify guy. Okay. I, I used to have Spotify, but then I, I got a bunch of those Apple HomePods, so now I have Apple Music. And, and mm. you know, it's it's fine. I'm, I have no complaints. Spotify was a little bit better. Does Spotify not work on Apple HomePods or Apple I Music don't believe it does natively. So, like, um, Apple <laughs> Music's kind of <laughs> built in, whereas Spotify, you have to, like, go into the app and, like, stream it to the device. It's uh, a mess, right? Um, I believe it's a Spotify issue. That's such issue. an Apple thing to do. No, I, I believe it's that. a Spotify issue. Uh, according to Reddit, Spotify doesn't want to yeah. kind of enable that or whoever's at fault. Really? I don't oh, know who it is. Okay. Um, I've been told I'm it's surprised Spotify. by that. That feels very Apple though, doesn't it? To, you know, make it so that only their music app works on the hardware. Oh man, that closed off Apple. ecosystem. It feels, feels about right. Uh, but the reason I bring this up, yeah. Gabe, is I think I've got the app, soon to be app, I should say, maybe that will take you away from Spotify. And that is, of all companies, TikTok. They, they had filed a trademark application for TikTok music. So there's speculation that TikTok is going to come after Apple and Spotify now with, with the music streaming. That's very interesting. I will, be, I will be curious to see how this plays out for sure. I have no intentions I, to switch. Yeah, no, I don't think I would either. But, well, I shouldn't say that. I don't know. You know, maybe that's the one thing that's going to get me over to TikTok because I do love music. I mean, I listen to I listen to Spotify a lot. I mean, for the hours of entertainment that I get out of Spotify, it feels like a really scream a deal every single month because uh, I I do consume an insane amount of music on that uh, on that on that app. But let me ask you this, Zach, as a younger person than me who is on TikTok regularly, what? What would you want in a TikTok music app that you don't get from Apple or Spotify? I would say the big thing I do is I like to share music and I like share songs with friends. So, and I want to say Apple had tried this decades ago and failed, but I think TikTok having that social component might loop people in a little bit and being able to share that music and you know interact in some way. I mean, I can send like snippets yeah. of Apple music songs and whatnot now to people, but you know, I'm really interested because TikTok, you know, they're, they're, known for, they're you know, they're pretty much known for their music and, and whatnot now combined with video. So I'm very right. interested to see where they take this or what their plan actually is here. That will be really interesting because I know a lot of artists break on TikTok now, right? Because it is such a fantastic forum for them to get their, get their art out there, get their music out there. So, but it's, I wonder if it'll make it harder for people to break through because if you're not getting shares and likes and you know all of those sorts of things, do you just get so pushed down the algorithm that nobody ever hears your stuff? You know, that, there's that's probably and, a fine balance. And Gabe, one of the there. things TikTok is known for is having that that algorithm that's just an endless feed of content. You know, so I'd be interested to see what mm. they do with music if they uh, curate different playlists, what that looks like too. But uh, I guess the real reason I bring this up, though, Gabe, is there is some competition out there. Um, Spotify and Apple mm. have been competing for the longest time now on streaming. Uh, technically, Pandora too, but no one uses Pandora. It's, it's I was going to say, trash. technically, I think Pandora. Pandora's Pandora's sitting out there like, "Hey guys, what's up? Like, what, you can't even throw us into this conversation." What well, let's be honest, Pandora's just just trash, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did have Pandora for a while. Oh my gosh. Fine, I, but I, I don't know I, what it is, but you know, Pan I switched to Spotify a while back and I've been happy. Pandora is one of just a handful of companies that I absolutely hate. 
and, and you know, just because we talk about video a lot too, Roku is another company that I just absolutely hate. So um, we'll we'll continue to build off this list as as the podcast progresses. But um, <laughs> the reason I bring it up is is again the competition. And Gabe, you've been posting a lot on LinkedIn lately. Yes. So if, if you don't follow Gabe on LinkedIn, definitely go check out his videos. But you've been talking a lot about Comcast, Spectrum, AT and T, uh, T Mobile lately too. And there's a lot going on there, Gabe. So do you want to talk to us a little bit about about what you're seeing lately? Yes, there has a lot been, been a lot going on lately, and we wanted to do this episode just because we feel like it's very topical and very relevant for what's been happening in the broadband industry. I know a lot of times Zach and I talk about other technology and how that interacts with the broadband, you know, broadband world. I would say this is probably our most broadband specific podcast topic that we've done so far. So we're gonna go, we're definitely gonna go deep on some broadband stuff today. But the the general topic and why we wanted to discuss this is. Uh, Com well, actually, all four of these companies, the ones that Zach mentioned, so Comcast, Charter, AT&T, and T-Mobile all announced earnings within the last week. And there were some really interesting things, at least interesting, I think, I think interesting things that came out of those earnings releases. So the big thing that I noticed as I was looking at this is that all the large cable companies have started to actually plateau from a subscriber count perspective. And AT&T is kind of having a similar struggle right now as well. And T-Mobile is actually growing really aggressively. Now, Zach, I know you've, I know you've actually had T-Mobile in the past, you know, have you, what's your feeling on them from kind of a home internet perspective? It's, because they're growing pretty rapidly. It's man. tough because my situation was, was unique in really two parts. One was, um, so this was kind of in the pandemic, but my my cable company, my modem died. So they said, hey, we can get you a new one, but it's going to take three weeks. And I'm thinking, how do I go, you know, three weeks without Wi-Fi at my house? You know, you, you can't you can't do it, you know? And that's, <laughs> that was just a trash yeah. response to me. So I, I signed up for T-Mobile Home Internet. They had a box in my house, I think, within two days. Uh, and and for the most part, it it was it was decent. The, the other unique component to this is this was kind of in the beginning of the T-Mobile Home Internet. So I didn't actually have the mm. 5G modem. I had the LTE one. And typically the speeds I would see was, you know, 60 to 70 uh, megabits per second. So it wasn't terrible, but I mean, realistically, and, and I would I would say this goes the same for the 5G modem too, is, you know, it, you've got all of these people, phones and, and home internet users on, on, you know, one tower or whatever that situation may be. So everyone's kind of, you know, mm -hmm. hogging that bandwidth. And then with the home internet, you also get deprioritized over the actual uh, cellular customers. Too. So there's a lot of that going on too. Um, but like when I was streaming and, and doing stuff like that, I, I I really didn't have many issues. I did have to reboot my modem a lot, which mm -hmm. kind of made me mad. <laughs> um, but the, the big thing I noticed was yeah, that would be kind of gaming. And, and I would say this is most likely the same for, I mean, imagine, you know, gaming from your phone. I guess you can't really do that. Uh, I'm talking like PC gaming, Xbox gaming off this LTE modem. It just wasn't a good experience. And, mm -hmm. and that's what I think of when I think of, you know, the T-Mobile the or, or any of these companies doing the LTE and 5G home internet. It's it's really tough to compete with uh, fiber specifically, but even cable to an extent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the I agree with you. Certainly very difficult to compete with fiber. And I think we both agree that fiber ultimately is the long-term winner here, but there is this cable has really been the, the dominant 
broadband provider for the last decade, right? I mean, if you look at the growth that companies like Comcast and, and Spectrum specifically have seen over the last 10 years, it's significant. They've had significant growth and they have, they add hundreds of thousands of subscribers every single quarter. And we actually wanted to talk through some of these numbers specifically, but it does feel like that tide is shifting a bit. Um, I'm, I, I kind of feel like this is just my opinion, but I kind of feel like this has been coming for a while with investments that have been happening in fiber from, you know, rural telecommunications providers, the investments that are happening from a T-Mobile perspective that we're going to talk about a little in a bit more detail as well. But it's just, I really feel like the shift is coming. I don't know if you feel that too, Zach. I mean, you kind of feel like we're at this, I kind of feel like we're at this inflection point, I guess, for lack of a better term of, you know, what's been happening over the last 10 years and the dominance that these cable providers have had versus what we're going to see over the next. Oh, that's years. totally it, Gabe. You know, uh, even now, you know, I've got an unnamed BSP at my house, you know, nation, uh, nationwide uh, BSP <laughs> and it's cable and all. And, you know, this relatively new local fiber companies building fiber. And, you know, Gabe, I just told you today that, you know, I, I'm going to switch on day one, you know, as soon, as soon as I can. I have no reason not to. But I think that's also another component to this, too, is just these local companies, these uh, co-ops or, you know, whatever whatever company mm -hmm. situation you may have. They, they tend to know your town. Again, they have that local perspective, too. So when you think of like, oh, do I want my internet from this hometown company or AT&T? I think that comes comes into play a lot too, especially as these small local companies are the ones out there building these networks. Yes, agreed. And we're seeing so much investment go into this space and so many more of these local providers pop up. Like, as you said, Zach, this one that, I mean, this is a brand new provider, right? Like they didn't even exist a year they, ago. They, they, they were nowhere to be seen. And now suddenly they... Um, you know, they're building just a few blocks past my house. So I think the day is coming, Gabe. I've been saying that for a couple of months now, but you know, they've, they've got the conduit in and, <laughs> and again, it's, it's, it's a relatively local company. So, uh, they, they've got the one up mm -hmm. already over, over spectrum. Yeah, totally. Ah, oh, you said it. Oh you man. I to say who it was, but now you've, well, now, now you've I've named dropped. Well, if so, we want to talk about spectrum too, yeah. Gabe. Well, we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna talk some crap about all of them in a second here. So all right. Yeah. I'll, I'll. I'll leave that to you. But one thing I do have to say about Spectrum, Gabe, is, and I sent this photo to you on Friday because I. I just think it's funny. But the actual cable coming into my house is just straight up laying on my grass. Like that is how my house is is connected right now. So I'm really hoping I don't snag that with the lawnmower or anything. But um, you know, the fiber is just gonna fix that anyway. So I'm just not gonna deal with that. What happens when it snows? Because it's just sitting out there in the snow. You sent me that picture. Hey man, like, it's this is insane. How is this cable just sitting? It's out the here summertime. On the I don't want to think about snow. So um, you know, a few months from now, when when it is snowing, I, I've probably got two months left <laughs> for that happens. Uh, and we're on a Zoom call, and I just keep dropping. Uh, then then you'll know. Mm, now I'll know why. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Well, hopefully you have fiber by then, and it's a moot point. But so let's talk. I want to talk just really specifically about what's been happening with the subscriber count numbers for these large providers and really why I wanted to have this conversation and what I think has been very interesting about this. So let's kind of break each one of these down. So Comcast or Xfinity, you'll hear them kind of referred to as, as either one of those companies. So I looked at, um, they, they very nicely share all of these trending reports with you. So you can go out and easily get this information. But the I, I looked at this and they've been averaging 383,000 residential subscriber growth 
over the last nine quarters. So this is looking back all the way to basically the beginning of 2020. So over that time, their net growth every single quarter. So that's looking at, you know, taking their net, you know, there are the gross customers that they add netting off the netting off any customers that leave. And they've been adding almost 400,000 residential broadband subscribers every single quarter for the last nine quarters. In Q2, they saw a decrease of 10,000 residential broadband subscribers. So it's the first time ever that they have not grown their residential subscribers. And Gabe, one thing I want to jump in here. And that number just really One thing I want to jump in here. I think you mentioned this on one of your videos too, but... Um, these these subscribers that are leaving or you know finding another option well that's exactly it. they're finding another option that they're not just disconnecting and and, and calling exactly. it done with the internet you know they're going out and seeking the competitor's product and in i imagine 99 percent of these cases so that's also an interesting call out i'd just like to bring up mm -hmm. yeah it's a really great point and i was reading something i can't remember if it was over the weekend or last week but it was this whole thread about competitors and indirect competitors, direct competitors versus indirect competitors. And I was thinking about this in the context of broadband. And technically, you know, when we think about competition, we're usually thinking Comcast versus Spectrum versus AT&T, you know, your sort of traditional broadband provider. But in theory, people could be disconnecting from their traditional broadband service and just going to a totally mobile solution, right? Not even T-Mobile, like home 5G, but just they could say, you know what, I'm just gonna use my cell phone as my internet connectivity tool. So it may be that some people are doing that, but I can't imagine that there is a huge percentage of people that are saying in 2022, you know what, I'm good. I don't need my broadband connectivity anymore. I'm just gonna go back to my cell phone. Like, I just can't imagine that's a big group. That, that was just a tough situation to be in. I, I don't think I can do it. I mean, I, I could tether from my phone, but no, like, I don't think yeah, if, most I'm, if I'm gaming or streaming content, you know, and, and I guess the nice thing is a lot of these cell phone plans have that unlimited data to an extent, but I mean, just having mm -hmm. that direct line to your house, that's, that's always going to win. And another option, Gabe is, is I think we joke about this one a lot too, but, um, I, I follow this topic on Reddit just because I'm fascinated by it, but, uh, Starlink specifically. And the reason I bring this up is because I see people mm -hmm. on Reddit switching from their cable providers and even their fiber providers in some places. They they go out and buy the six hundred dollar box. They brutal. spend one hundred twenty bucks, one hundred fifty bucks a month to get this week, uh, you know, service. It's it's truly what it is, and then they complain about it. And it, it back to the comment we made earlier <laughs> about five G and, and LTE is you know, fiber is always going to be the dominant player in this race until you know the next technology comes out, but. You know, that's a problem for centuries from now or whenever that is. But having having that, that yeah, fiber exactly. optic to your house, uh, you, you know, that's that's going to give you the, the upper hand. So you're really telling me that people drop fiber and go Dude, to Starlink because they, is it just because they bro, I don't know, but it's something? wild. You got to get on. I'll have to send you some links and just hop on Reddit. <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> just, people do it. And I don't understand it because that product and I would say even T-Mobile falls into this group, but that product is for your very um, isolated communities. You know, when I when I think of using Starlink and yes. even T-Mobile in some situations, I think, hey, there's nothing else around me. Um, the next best option is to you know drive into yep. town <laughs> to check my email. You know, that's 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 really the best use case. So I see people like in um, in in cities mm -hmm. signing up for Starlink, and then they get on and complain about their speeds and you know how much they're paying, and I'm just like. I mean, yeah, wow. so I've seen people drop Google Fiber of all things to 
to join uh, Starlink, but oh it's just not the the right use case. And, yeah, and I say insane. that both for Starlink and, and even T-Mobile to an extent. When I had T-Mobile Wi-Fi, I was in a town of about, mm-hmm. oh man, 7,000 people or so. Um, so it's not like I was just in the middle of nowhere. My situation, again, you know, I, I, I joined because I didn't want to wait three weeks for a modem. I was moving soon anyway, so I didn't care. Um, but it's it's very situational and it, it comes back, you know, these, these cable companies, you know, as much yeah. as we hate on them, they, they might be the, the better option sometimes. Yeah, I mean, in comparison to Starlink, I, I can't imagine I would want to drop Comcast or even Spectrum for Starlink, but, you know, I guess to each their own. So speaking of Charter, so the, I wanted to share some of the numbers around their last results as well. So very similar, very similar numbers to Comcast in that They've been averaging net growth of about 375,000 subscribers every single quarter. Again, looking back over that last nine quarters. So again, over that almost exact same time frame or that exact same time frame as Comcast, they've been averaging about 375,000 new residential subscribers. In Q2, they lost 42,000 subscribers. So they were on this you know, really good trajectory of growth for uh, you know, many, many, many quarters. And now that's flipped around as well. And I just, I can't believe it's a coincidence that the two largest cable providers in the country have seen a decrease in their subscriber counts, both in the exact same quarter. Like, it just feels like too big of a coincidence to me. It has to be related to what we're seeing with T-Mobile, what we're seeing with some of these fiber providers that are taking share from them. I mean, am I totally off? I mean, I, I think you're totally or, right. We, we looked at these these three uh, stock charts just yesterday, and they all had that similar trend. The only one that stood out a little differently was, again, in this case, T-Mobile. So I, I definitely think you're spot on here, Gabe. Yeah. Yeah, there was a precipitous drop-off uh, in their stock charts, if you look at it over the last couple of weeks. Uh, after all of these companies announced earnings, there was a significant sell-off, and I think that's one thing to keep in mind if you're competing with these companies, you know, they have they have Wall Street investors to to report to, they have boards to report to, and they're not happy right now. And so I know we were gonna talk about this at some point, but you know, they're gonna get aggressive. They're gonna do they're gonna do things that may be a little bit unnatural to try and solve some of these issues. So the last one I wanted to speak to was AT&T. So AT&T is a little bit different in that. They have a lot of fiber at the ground. They have made quite a bit of fiber investments, at least in larger metropolitan areas, not so much in you know smaller rural areas where they probably haven't made investments for decades. And they actually share two different numbers. They share their growth of their fiber subscribers and then the decrease in their non-fiber subscribers. So when I was doing some research on the Q2 results, all of the headlines are very rosy. You know, it's AT&T adds 350,000 fiber subscribers, you know, and and then you start to read the actual articles. And what you find is that not only, yes, they did add fiber subscribers, but they lost a tremendous number of non-fiber subscribers. And that number's actually been increasing as well. So again, if we look back over the last couple of years, they've been averaging a loss of around 200 and 230 something thousand residential broadband subscribers in their non-fiber markets. So they've been growing in fiber, but in their non-fiber markets, they've been seeing a steady decline. Gabe, did they have any insight? Did they have any insight onto where these non-fiber subscribers, was it a a churn reason or was there any reasoning as to what happened mm -hmm. to them? 
Yeah, I mean, they're they're going to a lot of the providers that we're talking about, right? So, you know, these are areas where I'll, I'll use myself as an example. So I live in an area where I have Comcast as my service provider. They are my only viable option for internet. AT&T is my only other internet option, period, right? Besides Starlink or, you know, whatever, which I'm sorry, is not a viable option. I'm not going to go with that crap. Is that uh, you don't even need to apologize. <laughs> but uh, AT&T... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not going to apologize for that. But AT&T is my only option. And it's DSL. The most, the most speed I can get at my house is 25 meg from AT&T. I, I, I can't do that. Like I work from home, you know, I'm recording we, podcasts, <laughs> you know, I'm doing all this other stuff. I, I can't, I can't. <laughs> That's totally it. Meg. And, and yeah, to exactly. echo that point, so, Gabe, is, you know, I've got a friend know, over in, in Idaho and the, the connection he's got at his house, the only possible internet service provider is CenturyLink. The maximum speed is five mm. down. I five down. Was that what they had oh. in like the eighties or nineties game? Is is that like the old dial-up speeds, or is that even beyond that? I mean, technically, that's a little faster than dial-up. I'm I'm old enough to remember the you know logging onto AOL and hearing the little ridiculous dial-up sound when you actually did that, but. It's not much better. I mean, five meg is not much and, better than dial-up speeds. That's effectively what you would have been and getting. And back to this practice. original point, though, is my solution for him was uh, T-Mobile. <laughs> that that was my solution. And the reason I mm -hmm. mentioned T-Mobile was was really yeah. a couple things. One is um, for their cellular customers, they've got the test drive program. You know, you get a hotspot for a month or something like that, and you can test drive the network. Mm -hmm. They have the exact same program for home internet. I think it's like two weeks, 15 days maybe. Um, but it's basically a, a no questions asked trial. You can, you can try it out if it's good, you know, keep it, you know, you'll be billed or you can just send the equipment back. No questions asked. So T-Mobile's got a, a lot of strategies to, you know, arguably high acquisition costs here. Um, but they, T-Mobile has mm -hmm. become, I would say, increasingly aggressive in the past couple of years. And, you know, I'm, I'm really interested to see what's next for them. Yeah. Will, will they come out on top? I'm not convinced, but they will be aggressive about, about their tactics. I, I think T-Mobile is going to make sense in some really specific cases. And you kind of touched on some of them, Zach, you know, in rural areas where people may not necessarily have a viable fiber, fiber option, you know, if, if their only other option is CenturyLink old DSL that hasn't been upgraded in two decades, then T-Mobile is going to be a much better option for them. And the numbers speak for themselves. So T-Mobile added 560,000 new broadband subscribers in Q2. So just as a reminder, Comcast lost 10,000, Spectrum lost 42,000, AT&T lost 340,000 in their non-fiber markets. T-Mobile added 560,000 subscribers. They now have 1.5 million people on their home broadband service their their 5g home you know whatever they call it, 5g and, 5G and in that same press release gabe t-mobile specifically said you know we are not done we are going to go out and get several million additional customers so i mean if we think they've been aggressive to this point and they're Absolutely. really you know having that growth we see now they they want to double that number they, they don't want to stop at 1.5 so I, I think it's just a very important thing to think like oh you know maybe you know i don't think of t-mobile as being a competitor um but in reality, they likely are. I I think they are, and they're going to become a continue to become a more formidable competitor as we move forward. There were there were I'm always a little dubious of you know what 
executives say in um, in earnings release calls. But I did think a couple of things were really interesting that came out of the the T-Mobile call. So they talked specifically about what they called, and I'm just going to read this really quick because I have it in my notes here, dissatisfied suburban cable customers and underserved customers in smaller markets. But they said that two thirds of their new customers in Q2 of that 560,000 were dissatisfied suburban cable customers. So they are absolutely taking share from these you know, large larger national cable providers, for sure. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. The other thing that they, the other product that they've introduced uh, just in the last, uh, just in the last really couple of quarters is they actually have a prepaid high-speed internet option, which I think is really interesting because, you know, I always feel like, and maybe this is, I, I'm not trying to be like elitist with my, you know, trying to sh throw shade at T-Mobile, but I always felt like T-Mobile was like the cheap internet carrier, right? Like AT&T mm -hmm. and Verizon were the premium carriers and T-Mobile was the cheap one. And, you know, they were better at selling, you know, prepaid and, you know, some of these things. Am I... It's, that, maybe that's just it's my tough. I think we've got brand, different perceptions here, Gabe. I, I, to an extent, I understand you know, T-Mobile's the cheap. They have made significant network upgrades in the past um, five years, specifically, I'll say. Um, I'd argue since yeah. 2017 is when, I no is when I noticed it. But part of that is, I don't know. Do you remember their, um, their last CEO, John Ledger, by chance? Super active on social media. Mm -hmm. um, he was not yeah, he afraid was to, to go after AT&T yep. and Verizon and... Uh, he was very vocal. I, I think no. um, he was, he was, you know, he was a good CEO, definitely expanded that network, but uh, more than anything, I think he was a good marketer. And I, I think he led a lot of that revolution, mm -hmm. that revolution of, of T-Mobile to, to what we see now. Um, but just, just seeing the tactics he's, he's been using, uh, well, was using, I guess, too. I think that's led to mm -hmm. kind of the shift from, oh, you know, cheap, low cost carrier to, what they've what they've become today you know when i look on their website for both cell phones and home internet they've got all of these additional offers and, and we can talk about this in a little bit but even for cell phones like uh some of my favorites is is i think t-mobile is the one that does netflix on us you know netflix is included in some of their plans um they, they want you streaming obviously mm. um go go in-flight wi-fi that's probably one of my favorite ones just because you know if you're going to be flying around you don't want to be disconnected from the internet um but even on the home internet side you know 50% off YouTube TV for 12 months. Um, Paramount Plus was included for 12 months. They've got all these different offers baked in too. And this goes back to my co my comment about their their high acquisition costs and and how aggressive they've been. But, you know, I, I haven't looked too deep, but I'm not aware of AT&T, Spectrum, or anyone, Starling, for what it's worth, having any kind of acquisition program where they're out here with these promotions um, trying to sell their service. So I think it's a very interesting approach that T-Mobile's taking. And again, that goes back to how aggressive they've become. Yeah, agreed. I've seen, I've seen AT&T doing it in some of their advertising for very specific things or very specific personas. So I'll give you an example. I, when I was doing some research for this project a couple of months ago, I saw a bunch of AT&T gamer focused ads and they were driving people back to a very specific gamer page and on that page they were giving people a year of google stadia for free so that was a very gamer specific persona that they were trying to sell to and they were like hey we're going to give you stadia for free for 12 months right so they've been doing some of that but 
I agree with you, Zach. I think T-Mobile is a lot more aggressive and broad in offering those types of benefits to their customers um, and using it as an acquisition strategy. The other thing that they're doing, which I think is really smart, and they called this out specifically in the, in the earnings release as well, they are aggressively targeting their existing mobile customers. So both Comcast and Spectrum are launching mobile, have launched mobile services, right? So they've launched wireless services. They're trying to get, you know, customers to purchase those wireless services from them. And they've seen some really good growth numbers actually on those, on those services, both Comcast and Spectrum have. They don't make any money with those services. It's, it's not about making a profit for them. It's about creating stickiness with that customer. Well, T-Mobile is actually kind of doing it from the other way, right? So they've been running a mobile business that's a successful mobile, mobile business. And now they're saying, well, you know what? I can come scoop up these internet customers that have a much higher margin. And because I already have a relationship with them, I can... Oh man, every day I was, I I was waiting for someone to say custom audiences, but yeah, that's exactly what we've (laughs) talked about. We couldn't go, but um, we've been talking about using the data you have. We did a whole podcast episode on using the data, you know, or no, using what you know about your subscribers. And, and that's exactly what they're doing as, as you just mentioned. So I I think it's just, you know, a fantastic reminder to use the data you have on your campaigns. You mentioned AT&T taking people back to a, a gaming specific landing page. Uh, that's just a fa- fantastic tool. If you know someone's got that b- gaming behavior, um, there, there you go. So there's your, there's your promotion. Uh, but no, Gabe, I, I think you're, you're spot on with all of that. Yeah. So we wanted to talk a little bit too about kind of what happens next. So as I said, I do really think this is a big turning point in our industry. Uh, I've been, I, I kind of think that cable providers are probably never going to have as many broadband subscribers as they do right now. I think this might be the peak for cable. And again, that's my opinion, but you know, I, I really do feel like we're you know, at this big, this big shift, but you better believe they aren't gonna go without a fight. So Zach, if, you know, if Comcast reached out to you, if Spectrum reached out to you, you know, what, were, what would be your ideas of, hey, how can we, how can we win customers back, right? What I'm, I'm sure they're all sitting around having these conversations over the last couple of weeks. Well, I mean, I mean Gabe, do you think they're going to a point to you made at the beginning of this podcast too is step one is you've got to make those investments in your network, right? You, I mean, if, if it's 2022 and you're putting mm. cable in the ground, I, I have no idea what you're doing, <laughs> if we're being honest. Uh, that is not future-proof, uh, no matter what anyone tells you. And I will gladly have that argument offline <laughs> with anyone who disagrees. Um, so step one, it's, it's just going to be make those investments in your network. But then step two, you know, Gabe, we have, we've got a marketing podcast here, but what would you do? Again, using that data you know about your subscribers, keep them, um, you know, focus on retention a little bit. What are you doing to retain your subscribers? Do you know who's having a bad experience? Do you know who's having these trouble tickets? I mean, do you know who your subscribers are? And then I guess the big thing too is just those different promotions we talked about. Uh, you know, you don't have to give people YouTube TV, you know, a year for 50% off or whatever that is, but people love promotions, especially, mm-hmm. especially they don't have to buy the promotion. Right. Um, so I, I think there's so much opportunity to, you know, uh, long-term make the investment in your network. That's not something you just do overnight. And then again, using that data, building these campaigns, right. focusing on your subscribers and understanding them that way you can come back and 
see how you can improve their experience. I, I think that's really kind of the three things I'd focus on. How about you, Gabe? What would, uh, what would be on your list? Certainly those things. Uh, what's interesting is that I don't think either Comcast or Spectrum are doing, are, are investing in fiber technology, at least in a significant way. You know, there's a, a charter specifically one a lot of money in the RDOF funding that happened, uh, you know, which is a, a big funding mechanism for building, you know, building network infrastructure. I don't believe any of that was fiber. I think it was all with cable. Doesn't that make you cringe a little so, bit, Gabe? You know, I mean, me feels a you and I talk about this every day. You know, we both oh, have customers who are either all fiber or, you know, 90% fiber. And these are often small companies, you know, AT&T and, and Comcast, mm -hmm. Xfinity, any of these companies have significantly higher budgets and, and more capital than the resources to do this. But, but to think that they're going out and laying just, you, you know, your basic cable in the ground, uh, it, it, it just makes me cringe because when you're looking at the content that's coming, you know, Gabe, we always talk about the metaverse, you know, VR, oh. you know, AR, that kind of thing. It's, you know, you're not <laughs> building a future-proof network yeah. no matter what anyone says. Agreed. And, and I mean, in some cases they aren't even putting the cable in the ground. They're I know it, well, it's raining ground, outside. Like so I'm just waiting for my outside, connection so, to drop. You know. I don't know if anyone heard that storm go through here, but uh, no, it, it's monsoon <laughs> season. My cable's just chilling out there. I uh, might go put a towel on it or something, but uh, it, 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 to me, crazy. that's just typical of a lot of these big companies. They, I don't want to say they don't care, but when you compare these big companies to these yes. smaller companies, Gabe, you know, the, the companies that you and I interact with on a daily basis, the, the level of customer care is, is just beyond anything that you will ever receive from Xfinity and Comcast and, and whatever that company is. I mean, I don't even know who, <laughs> if, I, if I call someone I just, about this cable I think on my ground, some... you know, they're going to want me to pay for a truck roll. And this technically isn't my problem. I didn't put the cable there, hmm. um, but then I'm going to be on the phone and, and all this trouble. I mean, it's, it's just yeah, chaos exactly. from, from so many perspectives. Um, big fan of these local BSPs. I know, I know there's a lot of people mm -hmm. who say like, you know, shop local and, and do all this shop local for internet. If you can, I mean, if you've got a fiber provider like, you know, they try them out. You hit the nail on the head, Zach. You are probably never going to have a better experience than your local fiber internet provider. They care a whole lot. They're serving those local communities. They're going to see you at the store. They're going to see you at church. They're going to see you. A lot of people see me there. But, uh, you know, they're they're going to see you out in the community. And so, <laughs> but they, they care, right? They, they genuinely care. And I think this is a, a big problem with these large companies is they're so big. And yes, they do have capital to invest, but I don't know that they've made the They're right out there to make money in a lot of and these markets. It's I also not going to be a money maker for them. So they, they tend to avoid them if they can. I, I think that's a good way to look at it too is, no. you know, uh, the, the AT&Ts, the Comcast and everything, not, not to say yes. too much negative out there, out there about them, but, um, you know, as with most companies, but them specifically, they're, they're out there to, to make a profit. So if, if, you know, servicing an island in the middle of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, an, an island town in the middle of, I don't know, Montana, <laughs> if that's going to cost them money, uh, they, they're not going to care about you as much as that local provider. No, definitely not. And I also don't think they have as much information. I, I think there's this, um, this is again, just sort of a little bit of my personal view, just being a Comcast customer and having reached out to support multiple times, having multiple conversations with them. 
and thinking about it, you know, the type of information that they actually have about me. I, I suspect that most of us believe that these companies know a tremendous amount about us. I actually don't think that they do. And the reason I say that is I've had multiple instances where I've reached out to them and they've asked me questions like, how Gabe, many wasn't devices it you that, do you have in your home? Wasn't it you where they didn't and, even you know, know the I'll modem you them, had when you upgraded to your, your connection a few months ago? No, they didn't. And they had no idea what I had in my house. They had no idea how I'm using the internet. They have, they had no idea that I don't even have another viable option. I called them up. This was probably a year ago. So I was just, I was so upset. I was just having nothing but problems with the internet. And they're like, no problem. We'll go ahead and knock like $50 a month off your bill. And I went, okay, great. Thanks. I'm, I'm happy to have the additional savings every month, but you guys just set money on fire. You know, you had, I, I don't have another choice. I'm stuck with you because I, I'm not going to go to AT&T and they're freaking 25 meg DSL. Like that's not real, a realistic option for me. And if I've told you I work from home and internet is really important to me, you should know that I, I can't jump to that other provider. They had no idea and they just cost themselves money. And so ignoring that data I think is a real problem for them and not being able to put it into action. And I think that's probably a function of them just being so big that there's so much information that you can't even figure out what the heck to do with it. But I do think that's a real problem. It's, it's chaos, Dave. Well. And just as we wrap up, I feel like there is one comment I should make to everyone listening to the podcast, totally off topic, but Gabe and I actually met exactly one year ago today. So, uh, you know, we, we've been in the industry now. Uh, we, we like to think we know what we're talking about. But Gabe, it's it's been it's been one year. We've got a podcast now. <laughs> I'm excited to see what's next uh, for everything. But uh, really, what I want people to also do is go back to Gabe's LinkedIn. We also always keep a link in the bio here, so check that out and and check out his video specifically on on the comparisons between um, all these different uh, big big companies. I, I think there's some fantastic data in there if you want to deep dive into that a little bit. And I know that's something that Gabe likes to do, but. Again, uh, thanks everyone for joining us today. I really enjoyed this discussion. I, I know for a fact Gabe enjoyed this discussion. <laughs> oh, this is like the highlight of my week. <laughs> but uh, don't forget to give us a follow on your favorite podcast app. I always like to tell people, uh, thanks to Gabe, we've got video podcasts on Spotify and then we also upload those to YouTube as well. But you can also follow us on Apple, Apple Podcasts. I almost said Apple Music. Um, maybe TikTok will make a podcast app, Gabe. Maybe we can expand into that. <laughs> Ooh, Man, maybe I, whole new distribution channel. I like it. This isn't this that'll is finally the be the thing that gets me over into TikTok. TikTok want to see, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> but as always, feel free to connect with both <laughs> Gabe and myself not. on LinkedIn <laughs> and visit our website to send us a message. That's all we've got this week, but we'll talk soon.